What? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich. What? The Gigi Vance and Sugar Dimes can't quit. What? Now pop the caucus in the Vega and get lit. What? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven With levitation from reefers Drenching defense and each seven Showboating with rugas Flash vines Belafonte digger Let's get forward this work As we confiscate your figures Casanova Brown Levitating Jiki and Dashikis The Lahada car 54 Chasing diamond runners Headed ice band The big chiller diamond Convention Harlem Buck Strut Freezing world heights Hollywood Welcome, Man, welcome This is the Simply King Podcast This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself and you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. First, I want to thank everyone who tuned into my solo uh, IG live recorded episode uh, last week called Where's the Bar? <laughs> it's, it was an episode specifically about, uh, from the woman's perspective, uh, about modern dating standards of today. thought it was an age-old question, but it was interesting still to get a lot of different feedback. And I feel like it was genuine feedback very uh very past the surface um i think it's something that would be beneficial to a lot of uh, a lot of men and women to get that uh information um and hopefully it becomes somewhat helpful in your uh dating life i know dating right now might be kind of strange <laughs> because you can't even get close but <laughs> when uh when we get off punishment when we get outside when they open up outside wherever you are if they already have or not um, hopefully, uh, you can take in these practices whenever you're, whenever you're ready. But today, 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 we have yet again another conversation about money, moolah, dinero, cash, and how you need to handle that. Um, because it's something that you know we re- we realized in our Edify Me episode with Taylor Mason that. It's something that not only we need to understand that we need to understand the relation that we have with money, but we need to truly, truly shift our minds around money so that we can truly manage it better and um, and create better practices that we can pass on to future generations. Honestly, just to break some of those cycles, because it's it's too fragmented in our in our community. So coincidentally, I got a, a colleague and a good friend of Taylor Mason to come and join me today to talk about money again. And I, you can't ever stop talking about money. So let me welcome, please, 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 wherever you are, give a hand clap or just welcome my guest for the day, Kajami Laping. How you doing, bro? Hey, how you doing? Good morning, good morning. Yeah, I said your name right, right? First name right, last name is Liaping. Liaping, Liaping. See, I, I, forgot, I forgot something. <laughs> um, but no, I, I thank you. For, I thank you for joining me. I thank you for reaching out. Um, I, I love, I love, love, love the content I've been seeing from you and Taylor actually recently. Um, I love that you guys are still very active during this time um, because I, I can only imagine that you guys probably were thinking about launching your <laughs> your businesses and probably uh, assumed that it was going to be a lot different <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. in terms of uh, growing your uh, growing your brands and growing your businesses and or grow- and growing your uh, nonprofits and things like that. And just it's I can only imagine <laughs> what you guys more than likely planned and how they had to be uh, redirected <laughs> during this time. Um but I think it's coming at the best time. I think there's never enough people to talk about um, financial literacy. And I, exactly. I, I love that. I love that. That's something that we see people that look like us getting into because we need uh, familiar faces who understand um, the plight 
of um of being black in America and and mm-hmm. and, and attempting to uh have a slice of the pie, having to have means, having to some some means to protect in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I love, love, love. I've always appreciated people who are not only good with numbers, but people who are good with money. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if you can be a, a teacher or a facilitator and uh, in instructing others on how they could possibly uh, manage their money, um, it's, it's just a blessing. We need you. We need people like you. But first, my, my first, before we get into who you are, before we get into who Kajami is. Let's first, first, first do a Twitter check-in, all right? Absolutely. Oh, the Twitter check-in for today is... There was, there was nothing specifically trending that I felt like I could put on this particular episode but it was certain things that i was seeing within twitter that i believe Mm -hmm. i wanted to come and bring to you just to get your take and that was uh that was i've been seeing a lot of people talk about how they have been under unemployment which is a very unfortunate thing i think we're I think we're in what around like 3.3 million people had filed for unemployment several uh probably like last month um yep and I think that's not only sad and ridiculous, but uh, it's unfortunate because I know there's probably so many people. There's still so many people who are trying to get, trying to even file for unemployment and get that money and, and get set up on that system. There's still so many issues with that because so many um, different uh, unemployment officers for each state are kind of backed up. But for the people mm-hmm. who've gotten through <laughs> are talking about their experiences and talking about the money that they're getting under this new um, stimulus bill that was passed because I guess there's, you know, there was extra money actually uh, afforded to that program. Um, yeah. And there are people speaking about how they are literally, um, <laughs> how they are literally um, making more right now than they would if they were working. <laughs> and a lot of different companies are actually encouraging people to like, look, I, I know, you know, we are kind of thin right now. Business isn't good. It's going to be shaky in terms of work. So we, it may be better for you. You know, if we just quit, if we just fire you for a time mm-hmm. being or furlough you or do whatever, because you're going to make more than what you would make if you were still unemployed by us. Uh, right. I love that that awareness that some companies are having. But um, I would love to know from your perspective as a as a man of, of, of finance, <laughs> as they say, <laughs> um, I would love your perspective on how does one continue those uh, those healthy practices and money management and um and overall just uh practicing good financial literacy in any way in a time like this where you are unemployed but still making money but not real but but you're not doing anything to make the money which is a which is an experience that I think is a hell of a thing to be in it's a very interesting experience to be in to kind of get money for nothing to a certain right. degree I would love to know what do you say how how does how would one how was what's a healthy way to be if you're in that scenario right well I mean to start it's definitely shows just how backwards the uh, society and politics are for the fact that you have 
good workers who have to file for unemployment just to make more than their actual jobs. Like something about that just doesn't even make sense. You have people who are unemployed making more than folks who are still working today. Um, So that just shows pretty much just how backwards the system pretty much is. But when you look at trying to now make those adjustments on spending your money now that you're not working, for some, you would think that it's a a win-win because you're making money for not doing anything. But I mean, you do have some folks who are still equally just as worried because unemployment doesn't last forever. And you have some folks who are not, who don't have jobs to go back to. But in terms of at least being able to now save and manage that unemployment money, you couldn't be in a better situation because you have nowhere to go. (laughs) So because of that, you have nowhere to spend your money. So you want to, what she wants to do is pretty much look at what your habits were before unemployment. How often were you going out? How often were you going to happy hours or ordering food? And then now make those adjustments. So the money that you normally would have spent going to a bar or a lounge, you can either one, just now pocket that and save it and just don't spend it or pivot and apply those, apply that money to something else like a bill or a savings account or something else more beneficial to you. So you are in um, somewhat of a more better space now because you have more room to do things with your money since you can't spend it on what you normally would have. But it's still important to make sure you are making those sound decisions and not just choosing to order, you know, some new clothes or um, order food every day or a lot of those different things people normally would have spent their money on. That's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, cause I think uh, some of those things are definitely happening in terms of people ordering a lot more, uh, things. I think, uh, like Amazon has like been one of the busiest companies during this time. Um, mm-hmm. just people just getting online orders. And I, I've seen a lot of people who are still employed, <laughs> um, just ordering their ass off, just buying shit just for no reason. <laughs> exactly. Um, just cause they're bored or just cause they just want to f- be fulfilled in some way. Um, I think that's great advice. Uh, I, I think um, it's hell of a time. It's it's so unprecedented. It's so strange. It's so um, th- I've never been. It's never been a point in my life where the world is is at at once saying we will see. <laughs> like we're gonna <laughs> like let's just wait it out, or we gonna see if we can do that. We gonna see if right. I can make that happen. Uh, we'll see if I have a job. We'll see if all of these things. So it's kind of um made a lot of I, I can feel I think everyone can feel the communal anxiety in terms of like so do I plan anything for the next few months mm-hmm. do I plan to travel do I do I take different precautions do I go do I go do what I was going to do do I celebrate a birthday do I have right. people over do I go see my parents am I putting them in danger um stuff like that I think is um hell of a time like it's so, it's so many things that are so unprecedented but i i thank you and i hope uh people really take in that advice uh because i think it is healthy uh because personally I, I think um during this time has truly helped me like i, I i'm i'm a uh, i guess i'm considered an essential worker i work within the logistics uh industry and mm-hmm. for my day job and and it's it's been great for me. <laughs> it's been great for me, and it's the weirdest feeling in the world. And I, I was literally telling my therapist this: like, it's the, it's the oddest thing ever to like, 
be kind of winning during this time when you know so many people are suffering. You know, right. I, I, it's the weirdest feeling when I like get emails about you know how you know how my how my credit score has gone up and looking at my savings account and how much I can actually save now and I can even put a little bit more once I kind of you know break down the numbers on what I'm really not needing and uh, I'm not spending like I've probably been to the gas station maybe three times in the past three months <laughs> you know <laughs> and um, and like you know that's that adds up <laughs> like all yeah. these, I, I I drive to work every day and so that's so much money that I didn't even that and those and that time is gone so that money is still there and the time is gone so this money is I can you know put put away and um, and also all the various uh, institutions that have like cut things off which I highly suggest if you are un, unemployed right now truly look into your um, Look into your uh, your auto loan uh, mm-hmm. providers and and all these different um, all these different things to check and see. Especially student loans. Certain student yeah. loans are, are able to be cut off because of the bill. And there's a lot of different loan providers who are um, deferring. Um, if it makes sense for your loan specifically, don't do it just because. If it makes sense for you, you can defer that uh, up until I think that, that like a lot of people just doing it for on a three month basis, regardless of whenever you request that set up. Uh, yeah. do all of that. I I was like, fuck it. Why not? Um, <laughs> why not save and come out of this um on in a dub and come out of this even more stabilized? Um, but let's get into who you are. Um, I would love for you to tell the people how exactly uh who you are, but also how you got to where you are now with uh Leoping uh Financial. Sure. Um, so again, my name is Kajami Liaping, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I kind of claim both Brooklyn and Queens because throughout my whole childhood, I was either at home or at grandma's house in Queens. Um, and from there, I went to undergrad at Hampton University, one of what I call the greatest HBCUs there are, but anyone who's from an HBCU thinks this school is the greatest one. Yeah, we do. Um, oh, yeah, I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely think that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then from there, uh, my first my first job opportunity after graduation was here in Baltimore at Morgan Stanley, and that's where I've started, and that's where I've been now for the past about three, three to three and a half years. Um, it's been good. It's been a blessing definitely to get my foot in the door and to be able to experience another city. Um, it's definitely not New York. I miss New York all the time, but it's, it's been good to kind of get my feet wet out here. Um, my upbringing was really strictly Caribbean based. My family is from Guyana and anyone who kind of grows up in a Caribbean household knows what some of those standards are when it comes to discipline, um, embracing your culture, but most importantly, knowing how to manage your money. My grandmother had a store, well, a family had a store back in Guyana that they ran. And that's how she was able to just know so many basic things about money. Like she can just calculate interest rates at the back of her hand and calculate how much you need to save to have this in the future. And just all those important nicks and knacks when it comes to money management and that's how I kind of came close to just liking money wanting to know more about it uh my family actually has a nickname they call me Forbes like based on the Forbes magazine because they all think I'm gonna one day be on it which I'm claiming that one day hopefully I will 
Oh yeah, I can uh-huh. see that. I can see that. <laughs> and uh, and that's just because um, when when it comes to money, just something that it's innately in me to just know how to use it to the best of your advantage. So throughout pretty much high school and then college and afterwards, one of the things that I've noticed was that a lot of this stuff either I didn't know or my peers didn't know. They didn't know a lot of the basic things when it came to what is a credit card, how do you manage a credit card, um, what are the best savings accounts, what is the best way to manage and spend your money. And at first I was, I used to be, um, I wouldn't say nonchalant to it, but I just not understand why so many people did not know things that to me I considered to be basic mm-hmm. until I had to take a look back to figure out, well, the most important thing is they don't teach it in our school systems. Yep. You know, to me to go through K through 12 um, and then even at university, I'm like, why aren't these basic classes? I mean, thankfully, at Hampton, it was a, a personal finance class, but Dr. Rose, which is probably the most important class I ever took. But what about kids who don't have that opportunity? So I kind of said, well, what can I do to bring something like this to everybody who doesn't have it? And that's when I decided, decided to start my nonprofit life in financial to pretty much say, okay, I want to bring the importance of financial literacy to these people who need it the most. And when I started, you know, one of the most important questions people will ask me when building it is, okay, well, what's your age group? And I never really liked that because they made it seem as if I needed to focus on, okay, just fifth graders, just young adults. And the the fact of the matter is everybody needs it. Yes. I'm not going to turn away a five-year-old or a 35-year-old asking me questions about something they don't know. Exactly. Um, so that's pretty much what the plan is to get into these schools, to get into after school programs, to get to different schools and um, universities and just individual people to pretty much teach them what they don't know and help them with any questions that they have. And the goal is to pretty much teach as much folks as we can the things that they don't know so that we can all become a financial literate community. <sighs> I think it's um I think you spoke to something that actually me and um Taylor definitely touched on speaking to uh the culture and that's something that both of you mm-hmm. have in common that you realized that it was a uh, it started it started at home first instilling right. the uh, the relationship and the perception of money to be something that you manage something that you can handle something that is uh it's going to be around it's going to be in your life and you need to understand it and I think um this unfortunate the unfortunate part about that, I think it's so, uh, it's so that, that sense of money has been become an individualized trait instead of a, uh, a cultural standard, you know? Right. Uh, and I think it's, uh, I think it can be a cultural standard amongst the community. I think it's very well possible. Uh, I think it's just the circumstances that I'm realizing is that, you know, so many people get thrown into the real world either uh, early on in life um, before they're even, you know, really having the time to even understand certain things. Um, and they have to just kind of figure out life as they go. And um, within that, they have to uh, also make mistakes that yeah. they just didn't even know were going to be <laughs> as detrimental as they thought, you know, in terms of these uh, predatory, these very predatory uh, kind of lenders 
and loan servicers who are forever sending uh, fake checks or you've already been pre-approved and all <laughs> these different things. Uh, I know so many people from my from back home and even family who have, you know, definitely been, you know, taking a hit for, you know, accepting these types of loans and te- accepting these types of favors because they see this as, oh, this is a sign from God. I need this money right now. I need, right, exactly. you know, an extra $2,000 this month. But if you already, if you needed that money, how can you pay that money back? Also, exactly. <laughs> also with the, like you're taking on a bill, not a, you know, this ain't a blessing. This is just another bill. Um, and it only, and, and it only, unless you can give it right back, it really doesn't help your credit at all. It could possibly put it in a, a worse situation. Um, I always, I always uh, had a real weird relationship with money. And I definitely got into it when I was speaking to Taylor on the Edify Me episode, which you can see. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes for everybody so you can see, uh, listen to that one as well. But for me, I, I, I've, I've realized in this past year, I think last year was probably when I really was able to really recognize that I had financial anxiety. And did and I thought I was making that up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really didn't know that that was even a common uh, a common uh, source of anxiety for a, a lot of people. Uh, but it yeah. is. It's probably one of the most common, just especially in America. And uh, I didn't realize that's what I was going through. But when I was feeling very irrational about when I had money and when I didn't have money, when it was the exact same feeling, um, I knew something was wrong. <laughs> I knew something was yeah. up. Um, and I, but I knew a lot of it had to do with uh, the decisions that I was making around my money. Um, I think that was where the anxiety was coming from because I was just not trusting either decisions I was making um, because I feel like half the time they were either the wrong decisions or I just didn't know how to stabilize myself. Like, do I just not touch money and, and just go without having things or uh, or what do I do in this moment? I think it took me quite some time to realize those things and also um just just um get over it <laughs> and i think one of the right. one of the biggest things i had to do was to redefine how um not only recognize that that was an issue i had but also redefine money to me and there's a concept there's a concept that uh that a, a good friend of mine brought to me and she said that she's that she has uh she thinks of money as energy um, and she has to label that energy to be a certain thing. And for her, it's, you know, it's freedom. Um, and seeing it that way makes it something that, you know, you welcome into your life instead of rejecting. And I was mm-hmm. like, damn, you know, I, I never thought of it to even think of it in that very woo-woo type of way. Because <laughs> it's right. kind of, we're talking about money here. Um, but it's something that I've, that I think has brought me a lot of comfort and perspective and honestly, bringing in that uh, concept around this time, I feel like has benefited me in a lot of ways in the way that I approach money and the way that I've moved things around and save and um, and also just being able to to also treat myself as well. Uh, because I think all those things, uh, you need that balance. So Exactly. Like, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and, you know, you, you touched on something pretty important, which was the uh, financial anxiety um, piece that because a lot of people don't realize also that the link between just the own just your own I want to call it mental problems or just mental situations like the anxiety yeah. and the depression it, it's a constant cycle because when you have that anxiety it doesn't it doesn't really help you when it comes to making 
the right financial decisions and then making those poor financial decisions then leads to um, financial problems, which then again leads back to the anxiety and the problems that you're having. So it really is um, a cycle that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And then once you realize the way to pretty much use it as a tool to benefit you, and like you say, redefine it in a more positive way, it kind of not only alleviates that stress and that anxiety, but makes it more uh, being, being able to use money in a more beneficial way to you and for your own health. Yeah. 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 I would I would love to know um redefining money would that be something that uh people could utilize and um especially from an introductory standpoint and um truly on this uh journey for financial literacy is that something that is helpful for people to do to uh to be able to make that shift to um becoming more financially uh stable um, definitely, because I think you said your, um, your, your friend mentioned it when they kind of just allow it into their lives or something along, mm-hmm. um, something along that, that path, you want to be able to redefine it, to look at it as, as not something that is, you know, a hindrance to your success or not something yeah. that is scary to look at or scary to think about or manage, but something to look at as, um, I guess a, a tool, like how can I take this and use it to put me in a better situation or use it to lead me to something that I want to, to a place that I want to be and being able to kind of have that change in mindset on how you approach money and your, and how you approach your decision-making when it comes to money um, can really make the most of the difference. Mm. What, um, I guess, what would you say to your, um, to your, I'm not sure what would you call your your uh, your, your students, your <laughs> your, uh, <laughs> your pupils, your cohort, whatever you would call them. Um, what would you say to someone who is who uh, has one of the issues that I found very uh, that I didn't even know was a common issue was the uh, the inability to save, to feel that you don't have the ability to save, and that was mm-hmm. something that I was. Uh, stuck in for quite some time. I think I didn't even start in my adult life. I don't think I really started in a savings account until maybe uh, maybe 24. And I am wow. going to be 27 on the first. <laughs> and, um, Happy early birthday. Th- thank you. <laughs> and um, it was something that I really felt like I just could not do. In college, mm-hmm. I felt like I could not do it because I was always working in very low numbers, <laughs> very low margins <laughs> in my in my um, checking account. So it was like saving what <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Right. And um, once I once I started working while I was in school, it was still feel it still felt like I needed to have access, and I didn't have room to really save. Everything needed had a place to go, and needed I needed to get to it quick. Um, and when I got into my adult life and I moved to Chicago, it still felt like, you know, I'm, I moved now. I need to be able to be active and be able to whatever, whatever. So time, time quickly got ahead of me. And now I realized like, damn, I need to save. Like I want to do things. Uh, I need, I need just money for emergencies. I need, I just need just money. And I, I felt like I was really kind of just getting money and then wearing it thin, getting money and then wearing it thin. Um, until it's gone. And, I, and and it was just like that truly, truly uh, setting up that check to check <laughs> type of uh, <laughs> lifestyle. And it's like, who can really live like this? 
And um, and I knew I, I, that was all I knew. But it was once I got a uh, a savings account, it helped to feel like I felt accomplished, but also to it still felt like I was still spooked <laughs> to put money in there. Right. <laughs> um, tell tell me, have you have you spoken to anyone, or what is your methods on getting over the notion that I cannot save? Um, so it it's really what I've noticed with that is that the biggest thing that kind of stops people from doing that is the biggest thing a lot of us don't have, and that's just patience. Yeah. You know, when you tell somebody, oh, you need to save, um, I don't know, let's say like 10% from each paycheck. Mm -hmm. It's like, why? <laughs> well, would that money just sit in there? I want to use it. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you save $10 each month, you have $120 at the end of the year and you can use this for X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, I don't want to wait 12 months for that. Um, so the, the biggest issue, for, one of the biggest issues is just patience, being able to say, hey, you don't need to spend this right now. And if you just wait these three, six, nine, 12 months, you'll be able to see how much money you actually have at the end of the year because of something small that you did. And what I've noticed for people like that, the best way to kind of get over that is using these the automatic methods where kind of you have money just taking out of your account every month or every check so that you're not seeing it go. So it's not something that, is mentally draining to you. you it's just already happening on the back end so that at the end of the year you can now already see that money that's being put aside and also especially from the college perspective a lot of people just don't see beyond graduation so when you tell them hey you need to make sure you're putting this money aside or even after graduation if you tell them hey you need to put this money aside it's like well why what do i need it for um, some people, you know, they may say, oh, I want to buy a car when I graduate, mm -hmm. but they don't know that there's money that has to get put down when buying a car. There's money that has to get put aside for insurance because a lot of people just don't know that and that it, it that does not get taught to them. Um, just the other day, my cousin, who's actually about to graduate soon, sent me a screenshot of a, uh, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> sent me a screenshot of a, uh, of a car um, from from Toyota, he was just trying to understand what the numbers meant, and he thought that what what the what what the down payment was, he thought that's just all he had to pay for the car. And I'm like, well, no, that's not it. It's still a monthly payment. It's still insurance. It's still taxes. Um, and he didn't understand that. And pretty much, he thought that's all he needed, and he was good to go. But had he planned ahead of time and actually saved ahead of time, he would be in a different boat. Yeah. And that's what just a lot of people don't realize is that sometimes even if there isn't a, a straight and clear directive on what you're saving your money for, when something does come up like, oh, and that new pair of shoes or and a medical bill or something unexpected, you already have that money put aside, you know, for you to pretty much use at your own discretion. Um, I was actually just sharing a story the other day of when I first moved to Baltimore and I had to transfer my registration to, um, you know, change my New York plates to Maryland plates. They pretty much, apparently, and I didn't know this, there was a difference in the sales tax. So mm. I had to pay like almost like a thousand dollars just right there at the uh, DMV. You're lying. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was Hold like, on. I'm sorry. Because of much? your car? Yeah. 
So when I bought it in New York, there's a, a the sales tax was different than um, than Baltimore, which didn't even make sense because I would think New York car sales tax would be higher than Maryland. But why you got to redo um, that if you already are paying for that or pay for that? I have no idea. It's just, just the way, like, I guess their, uh, their title system works. Oh, um, man. I'm, that, yeah. that, that got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely, uh, you know, a learning, and again, you know, a learning lesson because who, who tells you that? They just say, chance for your title. They don't tell you you might have to pay a difference in sales tax or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but Who's, thankfully- Who has $1,000 ready, you know? Exactly, you know, and, and thankfully I already had um, some some money saved. I mean, granted, I didn't want to use that money for that, but it was there <laughs> and I was able to at least um, just do it right then and there on the spot. And, um, and it was really my aunt who had to put that in perspective for me because of course I called her like upset, like, you know, hey, like I'm, I had to spend all this money just to do this and I didn't even know and she was saying and I was about 22 at the time and she was like at least you had that money saved it's a lot of people mm-hmm. your age who just don't even do that and mm-hmm. probably would have been screwed by there at the um DMV but you was already prepared for it so mm-hmm. that kind of helped change my thinking I was like okay you know what it's fine it is what it is I just got a job I can save this again in maybe three to five months um so it's being able to just want to have that patience, but also to try and put a clear directive on where you want to be. So when something does come up, you already have that money there for you to use. Mm. And, you know, I love that you started this uh, nonprofit, not being um, not approaching it in a sense of like, you know, people should know these things. And I'm just trying to let people know about the things they should know, because I think what I'm realizing in, cre- in content creation and things that I I think that I shouldn't speak on, um, I realized, oh, people actually still want to hear things about this. People don't mm-hmm. know enough about this or people haven't spoken um, deeply enough about this because they assume that everyone understands. They assume that everyone has right. a, a uh, all these different things together, all this knowledge. But I think every day when you get on the internet, I think we recognize how much people do not know versus what they know. Right. Um, either because of their how they grew up, shelter, being you know a sheltered background, or whatever and what have you, we all we all come together when we realize we grew up in a similar way when it comes to you know food related things or cultural things. But when it comes to money, I think that's something that we all have uh, had different experiences <laughs> on. I don't see us uh, quite often coming together and be like, yeah, don't you don't you remember your first bank account? Yeah, me too. Yeah, we we all had the same <laughs> black experience. <laughs> I think that's not the commonality with all of us. There's still so many people who, you know, have very shoebox mentalities uh, about banks and about uh, financial institutions and um, how that should be handled. I know so many people who still to this day have like uh, have very weird relationships with financial institutions and may still don't even have a, a true bank account or checking account. Um, and I'm, I love that there are resources now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to do uh, to have that and for that to be something that's functioning to help you uh, be able to manage your money and hold your money in a safe, uh, safeguarded place. I wanted to pivot into uh, something that I think is a phenomenon that we see quite often um, with our with 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 uh, with blackness, <laughs> with the black community, <laughs> uh, especially. And I think um, I, I've I've, tr- I've had I've had so many different thoughts about it. When it comes to, because I tell my friends all the time, they laugh at me when they uh, when I talk about it. But they say I say that uh, black people just make wealth look better. We just make yeah 
like when we when we do have money, even if it's not a lot, we make it look <laughs> good. You know, at every level and stage of income, we make that money look great. You know, if you right. are, if it's still so many men and women who are who are making a low income, but they still get that hair done. They still <laughs> they still <laughs> got that haircut. They still looking good. Their houses are clean, and they're doing whatever they can with the little they got. And then you go up the level, and you got a middle class family. They might have two or three cars, and it's a whole family. They doing some renovations mm-hmm. to the house. Uh, when they step out, they step out, and then you go up to someone who you know who's making pretty good money and and high middle class, and they just make wealth look good the way they travel, just like they like they just exfoliate every three minutes, they just glow. <laughs> right. Black people in terms of wealth looks good, but I do believe that uh the that that allure and that attractiveness and that aesthetic is what makes um so many of us also react. Uh, in volatile ways with our money to try to keep up mm-hmm. with the Joneses. Have you ever yeah. seen, there actually is a movie called, uh, I think it's called The Joneses, or it's, I think it's called The Joneses. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a starring, um, oh, I forgot his name, but it's starring the main guy who was from X-Files, I believe uh, Demi Moore, uh, were the two main characters. And it's, it's uh, have you seen that? Have you heard of that it's, movie? It's sounding, it's, yeah, it sounds familiar. It's essentially, I'm, I'm going to give it away, spoiler alert, but I still suggest <laughs> that you watch it. Uh, but it's essentially about a a fake family that was pulled together to be a, uh, they're essentially like these uh, embedded marketers of sorts, almost pre-influencers. Like before that whole influencer wave of people to yeah. influence people to buy things, this was definitely, you know, definitely dates this movie came out in the, uh, probably like mid 2000s and um essentially it was just uh these fake family it was this family they kind of put together these very attractive people of a mom a, a mom and husband um mother and father and their two children and they none of them were actually related they all were actors and they all had these nice things they moved into this neighborhood with had a certain income they all had these nice things all this stuff and they were showing it off they were having parties they was inviting people over just to influence them to buy things like they had yeah. metrics already set up to be able to monitor oh yeah i got this from this boutique i got this from this store yeah i just bought that lawnmower yeah i just bought that car so on and so on and so forth and this drove that community wild and crazy and i think it's a uh a good um, illustration of honestly still what happens in um, in a lot of black communities um, mm-hmm. when it comes to us spending outside of our means to keep up with the Joneses. It's it's a common trend that we that, you know it's a common trend during you know Black Fridays and uh, and tax times uh, that we're going out buying big TVs and and getting big cars or catching every sale we can catch, but at the same time we still have this like struggling savings account <laughs> we have this uh, right. struggling kind of in and out flows of our money and and our budget is non-existent but we're st- still feel like we have to kind of keep up still got to be where everybody is at got to go to all-star weekend got to be in miami this weekend got to mm-hmm. you know got to do all these different things i want to know from your professional opinion and your uh and and, 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 and also instructive opinion um why do you believe uh the the phenomenon of living beyond your means occurs so heavily within the black community and um and how can we shift that uh 
in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, so this is um, this is like one of those deep things that can really go a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I would definitely say to start is really based on just what we see. You know, if you look at the uh, the programming that's either on TV or just in our communities, commercials for you know, like the Martha Stewart show or something is going to be different than the commercial for the BT Awards yeah. because they want to, they, they kind of know it. When I say they, I say, you know, the major companies, they know what we are um, capable of. A lot of these businesses already know just how strong the black dollar is and it's been shown and proven so many times already. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, they know how gullible we are too to certain things, um, a lot of financial like professionals or people who just kind of have these conversations, if you will, they always use, you know, the Jordan example about how every time when um, a brand new pair comes out, you have folks just killing themselves over it mm. or um, waiting in line just every every month or however often they come out just to then go right back home to their, you know, the projects or like the subsidized house or not even having that money to, um, you know, use the food is something that's more important. So a lot of it is really just based on what they see, all this instant gratification of sorts. You have folks on social media just promoting things, and they also want to get on social media and show these things off themselves. Um, a lot of it is just kind of your environment and how you are brought up in the area that you're raised in. Because in certain cases, too, you have parents who, they don't want their child to go to school and get bullied because they have old sneakers or old clothes and they have to kind of go beyond their own means for their own child just so that they can be, um, you know, they, they can just have a good experience. And some of that just even goes into a deeper level because a lot of these kids are in these poor school systems because of the yeah. poor funding that the schools get from the uh, the government so yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of different ways you can um look at that and you know um something that you mentioned earlier about how like you said we make money look good you know it, it's definitely true and that comes from again our upbringing as well because we're taught that we need to you know look good have a haircut be yep. shaved have yep. your hair done have your clothes ironed and that's why one of the um one of the comparisons i always hate like i see these memes on instagram about how you'll have a white billionaire who just has on a shirt and some sweatpants, but you yeah. don't even know he's a billionaire. Yeah. And, you know, black folks just want to buy all oh, this, you know, Gucci, this or whatever. And my thing is, even, I mean, I'm no millionaire, but I would never wear sweats outside because I don't like <laughs> to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and that's just how I was raised. Like, you're going outside, you're going to go meet people, have on what they call your outside clothes, put on some jeans, put on a shirt, have it ironed, and just look decent. So just because someone decides that they want to spend the money that they have to look good, doesn't make them any less than, you know, the uh, their white counterpart who, who decides to just wear the same outfit every day. You're um, right. You're right. And I, I, I'm glad that you you're, I'm glad that you say that because I say that all the time. I'm like, this isn't a this isn't a good point to make. Like, right, right. I, I get I get, you know, these are wealthy people and this is how they are. But I think emulate. And look into how they got the wealth. Their aesthetic is trash, though. Like we don't, mm-hmm. we don't need to make a billion dollars and start wearing Dockers and driving a Prius. <laughs> when you right. have, when you're worth a billion dollars, you can you 
it's not about it's not really a splurge if you just so happen to get this new the newest Lexus that costs however right. much. Like you could budget that out. You could make that make sense. You met, you're worth a billion dollars. You don't have to go mm-hmm. to the lowest lowest tier <laughs> just because you're trying <laughs> to be savvy. You could look like some because you can afford to look like something and it not affect you. It's I think the mindset is uh for those people who do believe that it's like y'all know you know you can have both. Like the people who are out here kind of seeming like they're flexing on people on the internet. Some of those people may just be, but some of those people got it. So it's like, is yeah. it really flexing if I like I'm not hurting because I bought this, you know, these hundred dollar shoes. I treated myself to these hundred dollar, you know, shoes and this this nice little get up to to just go out with, you know. I don't know. Right. I, I feel you on that so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 um and it, it definitely just kind of just comes from uh people's mindsets and people just deciding to be am I going to be the one to change the course of how people look at me and look at things? Because, you know, I'm not going to tell someone, oh, you know, you shouldn't buy these, you know, rich European designers and stuff, but also realize, hey, if you decided to invest that same money into a a black luxury designer or even start your own and you had people follow that, that can just change the course of how people look at what is considered luxury in the first place and even just um kind of just be be um be confident and comfortable in your own skills and your own means so for me you know when i was growing up in junior high in high school i I was a i was a well-known i mean student i'm not gonna lie about that but i was not the one who had like every fresh pair of Jays or Air Maxes or whatever, I probably wore like the same one or two sneakers every day. Yeah. But I was fine with that. For one, that was just what I had, and for two, I knew that did not define who I was. I came to school to learn and to you know make friends, of course. But I didn't come to school to kind of just show off what I had and what I didn't have. Yeah. And um and and I mean that's kind of just the same mindset I have now. I mean, if there is something that I see that I want. I'll go ahead and get it. But it's like, why do I need to wear a different pair of sneakers every day? <laughs> I just don't understand why. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that just comes from, you know, the individuals. Some folks just are not that mentally strong to say, okay, well, I can just do that. And some folks are. So it, it kind of just comes to your own understanding of what, what actually is important to you and how, how confident are you are to stand in your own light and your own truth to kind of just do what you believe in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I truly believe in the notion of, um, you know, give somebody some money and see, you know, you'll get a lot of more of who they are. <laughs> because, right. um, you know, we we uh, we can only act as much as we uh, much as we have. You know, you can only do as mm-hmm. much as you as much as you have sometimes, depending on certain aspects of life. But I do believe that uh, that's something that we can break. I think that's something that we can let go because it really doesn't it never has served us to try to keep up with the joneses or do things for appearances um it really there's no benefit to it uh, and people really don't care like i, mm-hmm. I I've, i'm glad to start seeing the uh the sharing of like life hacks yeah on the internet just i love that i love 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 life hacks just simple easy things you can do in your home or in life and for various things to just, you know, save money or, you know, you, you've been throwing this thing away that you have all the time where you can actually repurpose it and do this and it can help you, you know, you can start an indoor garden with 
all these uh, plastic bottles that you have or stuff like that. Like, I think we need, we, and I think those are things that honestly black people have been forever doing in terms of yeah. just making things happen. You know, some folks call it, uh, you know, call it ghetto or whatever, just by having to make, make something out of something out of nothing. And, um, mm-hmm. but it's always been innovation. And I think I've learned to, you know, see it that way. And I think we need to step into that innovation, um, step into that innovative mindset, uh, that we have within our community and, um, and understand that we don't need this. Like we don't need these certain things, um, to feel fulfilled, uh, regardless of our circumstances, we need to, uh, get to the things that really fill us up, that really make us feel good. Cause they don't none feel good like stability. Don't none feel good. Right. It, it ain't, there's no greater feeling than coming home early. I'm gonna paint the perfect day. Coming home early mm-hmm. from work and, and, you, and you're done with work. Like you really left work at home. You don't gotta do nothing else. You had no traffic. You don't have to go to the store. You have no errands to run because your fridge is full. <laughs> your house is clean it smells great you got you got all your favorite shows just so happened to just hit netflix so you got nothing but time all the snacks in the world every treat that you would like anything any vice that you have to your disposal all the time in the world comfy it's warm it's nice out it feels the perfect temperature in your room in your house you don't got to cut nothing on and it just feels good to just be in that stable place, especially when you know your bank account is good. I got gas in my car. Mm-hmm. Peace of mind is something that I think we have opted out of in our community in a lot of ways. Uh, I know there's certain external factors that affect our peace. <laughs> Trust and believe. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I have conversations with friends all the time about the state of blackness and how it disrupts our peace in so so many ways and keeps us on edge. But I believe mm-hmm. in the things that you can control, and especially what we're talking about right now in terms of money and and finance, we gotta we gotta try our best to you know create that peace and protect that peace um, because I think we opt out of it or we give it away so easily. We give uh, we give peace away so easily by you know going to these Black Friday sales and doing all this mm-hmm. that and third instead of uh saving that money and not seeing oh this is this 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 uh eighty inch TV five hundred dollars. It's like <laughs> I mean, yeah, you may be saving a thousand dollars, but you're still paying a five hundred dollars for something that you really right. didn't need. You know, do you really need twenty extra inches on your TV? <laughs> like how much <laughs> like what is that really gonna serve you and do for you in terms of life? Um right. other than just it's something to say that you got. It's something to put to show people. Um, it, it's 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 so interesting to me, and I think I've learned to cherish the simple things and the things that really make you whole, like that feeling of peace, like that feeling of like I got everything I need. I don't need to go out and get anything. I don't need to borrow money for nothing. I don't owe nobody nothing. I'm up to date on my bills. All those different things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one one of, one of the last questions. Uh, I guess two two questions I have, but the next topic that I want to get into with you, because I think when we talk about personal finance, I think you know stability within the now and the present time is something that you know should be the goal. Something that I believe is very attainable. Something I, I know for a fact that you're teaching individuals. But I would mm-hmm. love to know what can be done now to uh, to establish generational wealth. And I think um, 
quite often I think um, I think about um, especially now during this very tragic time where uh, people have family members passing away either due to this virus or just in <laughs> and honestly just for just because of natural causes not even due to the virus and um, and they have to now deal with um, you know bereaving and um, and mourning and they have to deal with the the, 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 the business of their deceased family member um, and so many things occur so many things happen there's so much drama around you know losing a family member sometimes especially if that family member was a uh, was a corn was a was a key root and backbone of the family especially with matriarchs and patriarchs I think it happens a lot um, mm-hmm. I would love if you could give me any and give all of us because I, I really want to hear this myself uh, any tips on what we could do now to establish any sense of generational wealth especially uh especially with the people who you know my listeners are you know college students and um and um people within their early 20s and uh, throughout their 20s and early 30s and um I would love to know how what can we do now to possibly even start that journey of uh being able to pass something along yeah definitely and and that's a, a big topic that a big topic that I uh enjoy um, before i get to that i definitely want to comment on something yeah. important you said about you know how innovative we are as a culture and it's very true because you know what we deem to be innovative or just creative is what they consider to be ghetto and then they until they realize that you can you know make money off of it yeah. so um that definitely is very very interesting and something that i see happen all the time all the but time. in terms of uh your generational wealth the most important thing for us is just understanding what it is and how important it can be so for me it's always realizing like wow what could have been so when i think about the fact that you know the house that i grew up in um in queens at first that my grandparents had it was like a three-family house and that was kind of the house they used when they would bring over you know our aunts and uncles from guyana because when you immigrate here you kind of have to already have a house standing Mm. So that was like, you know, the the family house, three three family house. It's a big house. That's and cool. I always ask them, like, why did they sell it? And and they just didn't know. They didn't understand anything about generational wealth or understand that a house can appreciate over time. And I always think about, like, wow, if only we still had that house in the family and the people we can be renting it out to in and Brooklyn. the money that right right exactly and the money that um you know my my grandparents cannot be making monthly just from rent if only they knew um and i ended up having that same same conversation with my mom uh, about a year ago it was real it was really a big back and forth because they were trying to think about um you know what her and my uh, stepdad was going to do with the house you know in the future and i told them well you don't have to think just leave it to us as in the kids um because it it, it, like to me it just seemed like a no-brainer like why would you sell it to somebody else who will most likely be some other white person trying to gentrify the area Mm -hmm. when you know this house or this block in particular is one of the last blocks with majority black ownership um and where our house is i'm not sure if you're familiar with the city but we're pretty much in walking distance to the barclay center which is where the nets play yes so yeah, so it's like legit prime real estate. I'm like, you can't prime. even think twice about selling this house. Like, mm-hmm. keep it within your family. Give it to your sons. Um, and and so understanding that, you know, it's called generational wealth because it legit lasts generations. It's meant to last a lifetime. It's meant 
to not only have leave you in a comfortable space of living, but so your kids are comfortable when you leave and your grandkids and something that's kind of just bigger and beyond your own self. So even if it's, if it's not a house, if it's like, you know, going ahead to creating that will or um, life insurance policy to say, Hey, Mm. when I'm done and when I'm gone, I need this to go to my kids and this to go to X, Y, and Z because um it's something that's you know it's it, it's something that should be something that should be beyond once you're here and that's why for me it was big to name my organization after my family last name because i'm someone who kind of thinks you know beyond just a year or two years from now i want this to last a lifetime and i want like my last name to be amongst you know the gates and the buffets and um the carters and you know just uh a a a last name that kind of just stands the test of time so that you know when people see somebody they say oh you're you must know you must be related to such and such because i want to kind of have like that power related to the name and and that was kind of me having that generational mindset to know that okay once i'm gone or once i start having a family and kids like this name is going to mean something and this wealth is going to mean something. So it's kind of understanding. It's one of those things that you really can't be selfish about because generational wealth means, okay, this is going to go to somebody who's not just me. And kind of understanding how that not only helps you and your family, but helps the community. Because even if you didn't have family or you didn't want to leave it to somebody in your family, because, I mean, some families are shady. You know, we know how it is. They leave it to, you know, your neighborhood YMCA or your um, neighborhood community that's kind of doing doing uh, doing good work for the people. Like one of the um, the biggest stories I've always seen that always hurts to see is when you see these celebrities who pass away, like Prince and Aretha Franklin, who didn't have a will exactly. already in place. And exactly. it's like, dang, these were people specifically who cared about the culture mm-hmm. and cared about the people and now you just have these vultures just ready to snatch up everything that they have yeah yeah and and, and it's crazy because both of them are good examples of people who spoke about what they wanted if they weren't here what they yeah. wanted uh to be done with their likeness to be done with their work uh especially prince was adamant about hey don't do no tributes and shit do not do yeah I don't want a movie. I don't want none of that. Like, do not do none of that. And I think um, all those things have <laughs> all those things have, have been uh, crossed off and enacted uh, enacted in some way. Um, I think that the piece about insurance is a heavy one mm-hmm. because I think um, insurance has such a weird uh, flavor to it. You know? Yeah. Um, even though life insurance is something that is uh, very vital, I think something that everyone should invest in. Um, I think it's that's the uh, the branding around it is uh, I think is the the part that uh, gets a lot of people away kind of hesitant to kind of invest into it because insurance seems so uh, predatory seems so yeah. uh, miss like it's so convoluted you really don't understand um, you got to pay money that you you know you kind of consistently pay money that you may or may not ever use when I'm thinking about just insurance in a general sense not life insurance mm-hmm. specifically and um it's it just feels like something that you keep having to put money into and really don't get a large benefit back especially when you think right. about like 
auto and health insurance. It's like, well, damn, what am I paying this for if I got to come out even more money <laughs> when, <laughs> when something does happen or when I do need y'all? Like, what happened to the, the last, you know, 20 payments of however, however 99, you know? Uh, right. I think it's uh, something that I wish could be rebranded to in a lot of ways because it is unfortunate. It is sad. There are so many families, uh, especially black families, who go through this, you know, every time someone in the family passes away and they kind of scramble they're scrambling mm-hmm. in that um honestly in that amount of time before they you know put their loved one to rest to transition and um it's unfortunate because it really does cause rifts it does cause uh damage relationships in the family because people especially it, even if someone did have a will or if someone did have money or something like that sometimes that even causes issues just because Right. Grandma said, hey, she leaving everything to her youngest, not even the oldest, not even the middle child. Mm-hmm. She's giving it to them, hoping that they do what they need to do with it, hoping they'll take care of the family with it or whatever, whatever. And so many people feel a way about that, you know, not really respecting whatever someone wants to do with the things they earned in their lifetime. Um, exactly. But I, I do agree. I do agree. Don't sell grandma's house. Don't sell your mama's house. <laughs> My mom, my mom's are actually, had, I, we had this conversation. She was saying, um, cause she's like doing additions to the house. She was like, y'all mm-hmm. better not sell this house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing, I'm putting too much money into this house right now <laughs> for y'all to just give it away. <laughs> y'all exactly. better keep this house. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I think it's hilarious, but I was like, mom, we would not do that. I'm gonna have me a nice, cool, great location. That I could always retreat to that's fam. That's my, you know, where I grew up. Uh, and I can, you know, take my children there. It'd be a nice, great escape uh, in Tennessee. <laughs> it's a dope <laughs> escape back home. That's gonna more than likely, I believe, my neighborhood is my home. Uh, home neighborhood is probably gonna forever be that way because I'm from a small town and things don't grow and gentrify as fast in small places. So, <laughs> so yeah. I think it's pretty much gonna be that way for uh, for quite some time. At least as I'm living, it's gonna be that way. But um, I think. I think you are uh, have hit so, on so much, hit on so much. And the last thing I would like for you to do is um, my send it on. My send it on uh, portion of my episode is kind of like the call of action. Mm-hmm. The uh, the way to, to send people off with something tangible or something they need, they can use in their lives or implement or think about or whatever it is. And the question specifically that I have for you, because we're in an age where if we are truly redefining the way we think about money, if we're truly trying to bring in these new practices and practice better money habits and truly accept that money can love me, money can like me, you're allowed mm-hmm. to have money, money is good, money can always find you, is my new mantra. I would love to know from you, what would one do when new money finds them? Money that you don't expect, money just comes to you. What are the best practices to kind of uh, bring into that when new money finds you? I would say definitely pay attention to what's already important at hand. You already had goals that were in place before the money arrived. So stick to those same goals because just because, you know, new money came in doesn't mean you now forget all of what's important. Um, you know, when you look at what those those stimulus checks did for some people, they immediately just went ahead to go and spend it and buy something that 
buy something material that they probably really didn't even need just because they saw that chunk of money there in their, in their accounts. Um, so you want to just focus on what's important and what your goals are and what they mean for you and how you will attain those goals. And something that I prioritize to a lot of people is to realize that you're running your own race. You know, you're not in competition with mm -hmm. anybody but your own self. So don't focus on what somebody else has or what somebody else is doing or how somebody else is getting their money. Focus on where you are right now and where yeah. you want to be yeah. and what you can do to get there. Because once you do get there, I mean, that's just the greatest feeling that nobody else can give you but yourself. Mm. And if it comes to the point of, you know, competing with friends or what have you, you know, what's the most important thing is one, if you have to compete with your friends and they aren't your friends to begin with. You know, your friends should be able to understand the situation that you're in and now and how they can help you and hold you accountable to keep you um, in touch with your own dreams and goals. So you want to definitely be able to stay on top of those on top of those goals that you have and make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people who will hold you accountable to making those goals happen. Well, you said it, bro. <laughs> that, that, is, that is it. And that's a good button. That's a good button to end on. Um, I, I would love for you to let everyone know right now exactly how they can um, support in any way, shape or form or get any more information on how on what they could uh, get from Lion Financial. Um, yeah, let them know how they can how they can follow you, how they can support, how they can do whatever with Lion Definitely to stay connected, you can go on our website, livepinkfinancial.com. Um, all our information is there. You can subscribe to our newsletter that we'll be starting to hand out in a couple of weeks on Instagram. We are at liaping.financial. Um, and you'll pretty much see everything that we post. We repost about once a week just to stay consistent. So there's a lot of great information there um, to support. You can do what is best for your circumstance so that can just be spreading the word saying hey this is this organization out here doing great things for the community check them out you can support financially there is a donation um button on our website and we also sell t-shirts and there's going to be some other good gear coming up soon that kind of helps uh you know raise money so we can use the money to have uh, other materials that can pretty much help push our mission forward Mm. Um, because something else that is important that I want people to understand is that it is a nonprofit, so that means we do what we do for free because we like it that much. But in order to do that, you know, there is um, some funds needed to kind of push our mission and vision forward. So there's a lot of different ways for your own circumstances that you can use to help us out. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, I really enjoyed this. Honestly, uh, I, Definitely. I think it's very refreshing to have these episodes about money, especially now. I think it's interesting that I'm having these conversations so much now when I think I'm in a better place to understand and bring in new practices and, and think about my habits and, re, and restructure my budget at this time to uh, make it benefit and make it work for me, making my money work for me, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I really, truly, truly appreciate you giving me your time. I appreciate you reaching out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, thank you for even listening and supporting your friend, uh, Taylor, and listening to our episode together and, um, and being inspired enough to uh, want to come and talk to me, too. I really, um, I was flattered by that, and I really appreciate that uh, that energy as a whole. Um, 
uh, oh, I think that was all I had to say. But no, I thank you. And I think that uh, what you're doing, and I think you said this in your, your uh, in our pre-interview, um, I believe, you know, from the energy that the both of you have, you guys are certainly on your way um, to doing exactly what your mission statement is. And that's, you know, uh, instructing and helping and um, truly helping the millions of people, even with the uh, with just starting this is the, the first step in assisting those millions of people to get into a better place. So I think this is already yeah. a good thing. And I'm so blessed to be able to find a way to be able to push that mission that you guys have, because I think it's something that's extremely important for our community. Definitely. And, and you know, thank you, of course, for, for your time. I think what you're doing to get the right messages across to the culture is very important because no one else is going to tell them unless we do. Um, so, you know, I definitely, <laughs> definitely appreciate, you know, using your time for me and just allowing me to kind of spread these, uh, these keys for it. And, you know, hopefully the, the right person listens to it and we can continue to go out there and change some lives. For sure, for sure. Also, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. I can't believe we <laughs> didn't even mention it. Also, uh, I'm so glad that you actually were able to connect with Mellon Network. Uh, for all oh, of yes. you who are listening, um, I actually did a uh, a workshop with Mellon Network. Uh, I think it was last month. And um, and when when Kajami had uh, reached out to me, that was the first thing I thought about. I was like, hey, you definitely need to get you know connected with this because I haven't seen any workshops about finance or personal finance in any way so i think you, you, to get this on the ground floor i think it's perfect right now and i'm so glad please give people the information um on how they can um find your workshop and um and when your workshop is because i believe it's actually happening this week yep it's this thursday uh the 28th i believe at a 7 30 um eastern time so i'm tomorrow i'm gonna actually post the uh the link and the flyer on instagram so that you can go ahead and register for it that is a free workshop yeah. um it's about 30 to 40 minutes i like to be as quick and you know concise to pretty much just get that message across yeah um and you know it's, it's going to be a good time we're going to be talking about financial wellness during the corona economy and what financial wellness is the difference between that and financial literacy this financial wellness is more so the mindset behind the money and how to um, be in that right state of mind to make the right financial decisions, especially during these traumatic times that a lot of us are in. So that's this Thursday. It's going to be free. Definitely come, you know, check us out. Yeah. You have no excuse now, y'all. Get to it. (laughs) Get to it. Uh, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, everyone who's tuned in. I appreciate you all. Uh, uh, Next week, next Monday is my birthday. I'm letting y'all know yes. right now, <laughs> as you're hearing this, <laughs> I plan to definitely still put out an episode uh, on my birthday. Um, uh, I think this is, yeah, this is coming out on a day where we are, uh, uh, hopefully all of you are, you know, practicing safe social distancing as you're celebrating Memorial Day. Um, I believe most people are observing on this day, the 25th is when I'm putting this out. So yeah, um, yes, be safe. Um, if you uh, want to continuously follow and keep up with the Simply King podcast, you can follow us everywhere. Uh, you can listen to us everywhere. Podcasts are available. You can follow me um, on IG at the Simply King Pod. Follow my personal page at Kings underscore Memoirs. Uh, follow the Simply King podcast page on Facebook. 
as well as follow me at Kings underscore memoirs on everything on Twitter, Tumblr, all the things. Uh, I really, really appreciate you all. This is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. This is Simply King, and I'm Rodney Perry. Peace. For a year, sip the fountain blue, house of bamboo, paradise. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The cheeky fossil sugar down.